This weekend, we're going to continue the series called The Invisible War. Because we've been talking about the fact that there is an invisible war that's going on. We've been talking about in these last few weeks that there's this spiritual war that's going on behind the scenes. And many times you can't perceive it, you can't feel it, you can't see it. But there's this spiritual war that's going on behind the scenes. And it's a war that is designed to take you out of the race towards your God. It's a war designed to take you out of the race towards that place that God's preparing for you, which is heaven. This war is going on. And we've spent the last four weeks looking at the battle that goes on inside of you. This battle of temptation that goes on within you. And many times we say, why do I have this battle going on inside of me? I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Why do I tend to to do things that aren't good for me? And we talked about that when you become a Christian, God takes away the old nature and he gives you a new nature. So why why do you have these old things that you still want to do? And we talked about how that old nature likes to rise up and cause you to remember the old things that you used to do. But the question is this. How can you? How can you live in this broken world and overcome the temptations of our world? I want to talk with you this morning about how to win the battle over temptation that comes from not within you, but from all around you in this broken world. I want to talk about there's this battle going on inside of you, yes. But what about this battle that's going on all around you, tempting you to get out of the race for Jesus Christ? The question is, how can you live in our broken world and yet not be of this broken world? How can you live as a Christian? You know, we've got this beautiful cross on the top of our church that we get to look at whenever we come. And we signify that this is a place of Jesus. Amen. But how can you become a person that you kind of walk around with that cross on your head all the time? And you say, I'm a person of Jesus in this world. And as people look at the way you live, they know that there's a cross on your head. (laughs) They may not be able to see it, but they know that you're a person of Jesus Christ. How can we live in the world and not be of the world? But before we can look about how to survive in this broken world, we've got to take a look at how this world became so broken because that'll help us understand why life is so hard in this world. It'll help us understand why life can be such a battle at times trying to live as a Christian person in this world. Thousands of years ago, Job asked this question, why is life hard? Anybody ask that question? (laughs) Why is life such a battle? Why do we suffer? Here's Here's the first part of the answer. Write this down. It's because sin is the cause of hardships. The Bible teaches that sin or rebellion against God broke everything. Rebellion broke everything. And it all started with the very first couple, Adam and Eve, in the Garden of Eden. When God created the world, everything was perfect. It was this paradise. Adam and Eve had no problems. They had no pain. They had no sorrow, no suffering, no sadness, no sickness. Didn't have the flu ever like I had last weekend. They didn't have any of that stuff. And all of God's people said, amen. (laughs) Hate that flu stuff. They had no trials, no temptations. No trouble, no defeat, no distraction, no discouragements, no despair, no depression. 
All of the hard stuff that we deal with in our broken world did not exist in the Garden of Eden. Perfect place. Paradise. But one day, that all changed. Because Adam and Eve decided they wanted to do what they wanted to do. You see, God had said to them, Adam and Eve, you can do everything you want to do here in paradise except for one thing. And what did they choose to do? The one thing, the only thing that God said don't do. Now, you might be saying, well, why why did God ever give them a choice? Because without a choice, they couldn't choose to love and obey God. If you are forced to love God and obey God, you have no choice but to love him. Then it's not real love. So God gave them a choice. And with their ability to choose, they chose to rebel against God. They said, we're going to do what we want to do. And so the Bible says sin came into the world because of what one man, Adam, did. And look at this. And with sin came for the first time ever death, physical death. Before Adam and Eve's choice to rebel, there was no death in the world. Adam and Eve could have lived forever in paradise. God had built their physical bodies to never die. It was only when Adam and Eve rebelled against God that everything became broken. God then cursed the earth, and their sin brought physical death to the world. Now, we could all start bagging on Adam and Eve for bringing all the sickness and death to our world. But you know what? We all would have done the same thing. We all would have made the same choice. We all would have said... I know this is wrong in God's sight, but I'm going to do it anyway. We've all done that. The Bible says it this way. All of us have strayed away like sheep. We have left God's path to follow our own paths. The Bible says no one can say, I am innocent. I have never done any wrong. We've all broken God's word. We've all broken God's law, his, his perfect will for us. We've, we've all done what God has clearly said, don't do. And the Bible calls that rebellion. And there's at least three ways that we can rebel against God. Write this down. First of all, sin is rebellion. Now, the word sin means to fall short. It means to miss the mark. Now, if I were to bring up a bow and arrow and shoot an arrow towards a target, but I didn't pull it back far enough, and I didn't have enough force, and that arrow fell short of the target, that would be called a sin. It means that I missed the mark. It means that I fell short of the target, of the goal. When you sin, it means that you don't make it to God's goal for you, that you miss God's goal and God's glory for you. Next, transgression is rebellion. Now, the word transgression means that you go too far. You don't fall short, but you go too far. It means you go past the boundaries that God has set for you and me in his word. You go past his boundaries. It means that you intentionally, deliberately choose to disobey God. Now, you know that the speed limit on our California freeways is 65 miles an hour. 65 miles an hour. But if you're going 85 miles an hour, that is not a sin. Amen? It's not a sin. Just flow of traffic. 
No, it's not a sin, but it is a transgression. You have gone too far. You are intentionally breaking the law. It's a deliberate breaking of God's law and going past the limit, past the boundary that has been set. It's a transgression. Next, iniquity is rebellion. The word iniquity means that you intend to hurt. Your intention is to hurt someone, to do damage to someone, to do evil to someone. It's this intentional desire to hurt. So when Hitler had six million Jews killed, it was not a sin. It was not a transgression. It was an an iniquity. He intended to do evil to others. He intended to hurt others. Sin, transgression, iniquity, three different kinds of rebellion. And you can kind of think about it this way. In football, if you kick a field goal and your your ball falls short of the goalposts, that's a sin. You fell short. You missed the mark. In football, if you run the ball out of bounds, that is not a sin. That's a transgression. You went too far out of bounds. In football, if you tackle someone, then you get up and you intentionally kick him in the ribs. That's not a sin. That's not a transgression. That's an iniquity. You intended to hurt. You intended to do harm. And David reveals that he participated in these three kinds of rebellion. And guess what, folks? So have we. We participated in sin, transgressions, and iniquities. Look at what David writes. He says, I acknowledged my sin to you. The times when I fell short of measuring up to your word, God. And I did not try to cover up my iniquity when I intended to hurt people. And I confessed my transgressions, those times that when I went beyond your boundaries. And you, God, forgave my guilt. Aren't you glad that God forgives our sin, our transgressions, and our iniquities? And all of God's church said, Amen. When we come to Him with great sincerity and humility and confess our sins, our rebellion of any kind, He is so faithful to forgive our guilt. Folks, the bottom line is this. We've all broken God's laws. We've, every one of us, rebelled against God in these ways. And listen, our rebellion has added to the brokenness of our world. It is every person's rebellion that makes life here on this planet so hard that causes all kinds of damage and suffering. So why is life so hard? Why do we suffer? Why is there battles going on? Because rebellion against God broke everything, starting with Adam and Eve. But our continued rebellion, those of us who know Christ and even those who don't know Christ, continues to make it worse. Sin is the cause of hardship. Next, write this down. Then sin is the cause of all kinds of damage. Damage is the result of our rebellion. And the Bible teaches us that there are six kind of things that our rebellion has damaged. First of all, the first result of our rebellion is this. We now have natural disasters and deformities. In the Garden of Eden, none of that. But because of man's rebellion against God, our world has natural disasters and deformities. Now, that's not because of what, that's not what God wants. But it's because of man's rebellion, it's come into our world. The environment has suffered from human sin, from human poor choices, 
And it's now left our world broken. And as a result, we now have more fierce hurricanes and typhoons and wacky weather and earthquakes and all kinds of things. The Bible says creation was condemned to lose its purpose. After Adam and Eve's rebellion, it was going to lose its purpose. The Bible says creation is now confused. Maybe you see the birth of a pair of Siamese twins. Kids joined at the head and that confuses you. And you go, what what was God thinking when he allowed this to happen? But folks, that isn't what God wanted. That was, was never planned. It's a result of everything in the world being damaged, including your DNA and your parents' DNA and their parents' DNA and everything else. So now today we have defects and disabilities of people. There are emotional and mental and physical disabilities. <clears throat> Every one of us has defective parts of our minds, of our bodies and our spirits because our rebellion has broken everything since Adam and Eve through now. And the Bible says all of creation now groans with pain because of the brokenness of our world. This is not what God desired. Man's rebellion has broken our world and it continues to make it worse. And the next result of our rebellion is physical decay and death. Because of our rebellion against God, we have decay and death. There was no death on this planet until Adam and Eve rebelled against God. There was no death. There was no decay on this planet until sin entered the world. The Bible says no one can control the wind or now, because of this rebellion, stop his own death. Now, we know that death is inevitable. But as as people, we sure try to stop it, don't we? We sure try to delay it. We go to great lengths to postpone the decay part too. I mean, we've got oil of Olay. We've got lotions. We've got potions. We've got makeup. We've got Botox. We've got surgeries. And what are we trying to do? We're trying to delay the decay. Listen, you're going to die someday. And that's really good news. Because I believe that you don't want to live in this broken planet forever. I believe you want to live in God's heaven. Amen? And so even that is good news. But in the meantime, you're going to continue to decline. You're going to continue to decay. It's called aging. And the Bible says this. Our physical body is becoming older and weaker. Anybody want to be honest and say, I relate to that? (laughs) The older and weaker part. It's not news. That's biblical. And the truth says... The truth is this, over time, parts of our body, and I hate to say it, but they start to sag. They just kind of start to to go south on us. I've heard it said that men, over time, get furniture problems. Their chest drops into their drawers. (laughs) Furniture problems. I've heard that for, for some, there will come a time when their teeth will shine like stars because they all come out at night. And here's how you know if you really are aging. It's when you bend over to pick up something, and while you're down there, you say, is there anything else you want me to do while I'm down here? (laughs) Because it takes so much effort to get there and to get back up. Solomon is brutally honest about decay and death and how we're aging. Listen to this. He writes, then your arms that have protected you will tremble. And your legs now strong will grow weak. Your teeth will be too few to chew your food. 
and your eyes too dim to see clearly. Your eyes will be deaf to the noise of the street. You'll barely be able to hear the mill as it grinds or music as it plays. But even the song of a bird will wake you up from sleep. You'll be afraid of high places and walking will be dangerous. Your hair will turn white. You'll be hardly able to drag yourself along and desire will be gone. We are all going to a final resting place and then there will be mourning in the streets. Man, aren't you glad you came for this encouraging message today? (laughs) Man, aren't you just built up and cheered up? But why is all that going to happen? It's because rebellion broke everything, including your DNA. So now we have decay and death. The Bible says everyone dies because all of us are related to Adam, the first man. That's the bad news. Because of Adam, we're all going to die. But the good news is this. Because of one man, Jesus, we're all going to live. Amen? Oh, come on. Give me a bigger amen. Amen? Amen. Because of one man, Jesus, we all get to live. That's the good news. We're not going to live forever in this broken world where rape and molestation and murder and corruption and sickness and sorrow and greed and abuse takes place every single day. We're not going to live forever here. Because your God, doesn't want you to live forever in the midst of that brokenness. He wants you to live forever in a perfect place, a place that's not broken, and it's called heaven. And Jesus says this about heaven. Don't be worried or upset. Believe in God and believe also in me. There are many rooms in my Father's house in heaven, and I'm going to prepare, look at this, a place for you. I would not tell you this if it were not so, And after I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to myself so that you will be where I am. Where does the Bible say that Jesus is? He's seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven. He's going to take us to be where he is. And all God's people said, amen. Isn't that awesome? That's good news. Now, the next result of our rebellion is emotional distress and disappointment. Solomon writes, everything under the sun is meaningless, like chasing the wind. What's wrong cannot be righted. What's missing cannot be recovered. What he's saying here is that life, no matter what you do, seems kind of pointless. You can't go back and change the past. You have no control over the future. It's kind of like you can't unscramble an egg. And so that causes you to become distressed. And when you think about not being able to control the future, that causes you to become disappointed. I mean, have you ever planned a really big event and you got so excited in the planning? You said, this event is going to be so great. But the moment it was over, you go, is that it? Is that all there was to it? And, and you end up being disappointed. Often the anticipation is Chris, of Christmas is better than Christmas. Because you look under the tree, and no more presents. <laughs> Often the anticipation of the summer vacation is better than the vacation because the mosquitoes showed up. Often the anticipation of this wedding that you've been preparing for is better than the wedding. It's over already? Why is there distress and disappointment, folks? It's because this is not heaven. A lot of stuff that we think is going to fill our lives with, with meaning, And fulfillment falls short because, folks, the only thing that can really fill you with real joy is Jesus. Amen? 
is Jesus. And so a lot of this stuff just leaves us in this broken place. We, we, we think we're, we're going to get hyped up and blessed and fulfilled, and it just falls short. This is not heaven. The next result of our rebellion is relational distance and discord. In other words, conflict with people happens. You know, in a place that's perfect, where, where there's no sin, you're not going to have any conflict. But we live in this world today where we have rebelled against God's ways. We don't follow God's ways. And that ends up causing damage in relationships. And we've all messed up some relationships. We've all created some discord. We've all created some distance between us and somebody else. Solomon wrote thousands of years ago, I saw all the people who were mistreated here on earth. I saw their tears and that they had no one to comfort them. It's talking about relational discord, hurting people, creating distance. And how did it get so messed up? Once again, it started with this first couple, Adam and Eve. They rebelled and said, we're going to do the thing that God said not to do. And it not only created distance between them, but between them and God. You know, it's interesting when you look at that story of Adam and Eve, that when they got disconnected from God by rebelling against his word, the first thing they did was cover up. Literally. <laughs> the Bible says they grabbed fig leaves and they, they covered themselves up. You see, when things go wrong relationally with God or with anybody else, the first thing we all try to do is cover up. We try to cover our tracks. We try to cover what we've said and what we've done and where we've been. The Bible says they suddenly felt ashamed of their nakedness, so they strung fig leaves Together to, to cover themselves up. Yes, their eyes were open, and for the first time they realized that they, they were naked and they were ashamed of that, but they were also ashamed of the distance that they had created between them and God, that relational discord and distance. Adam says, I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Yes, he was. this is new. He never realized he had been naked before, but this was also the first time that there was distance and covering up and hiding from this God that they had walked with and talked with in the garden every single day. Folks, in relationships, when there's conflict, we try to cover up and hide. And there's this distance and discord. The next result of our rebellion is financial difficulties. How did our economy get so broken? Well, it's pretty simple. By rebelling against the biblical principles of finance that God has written in His Word... We've gotten ourselves in trouble. There's the principle in God's word of accounting, keeping good records. In God's words, there's this principle of spending, budgeting your spending. There's a principle of saving for emergencies. There's a principle of giving the first part of your income to the Lord. There's a principle of investing and multiplying what God puts in our hands. There's a principle of contentment, learning to be content with what God puts in your hands. And when you and I in our world rebel against God's financial principles written in his word all at once, we have difficulty with our finances. Folks, America does not go by God's word <laughs> concerning much of anything, let alone finances. And so our financial structure is broken. Solomon writes, here's a terrible thing that I've seen in this world. People save up their money for a time when they may need it, and then they lose it all in some bad deal, and they end up with nothing left to pass on to their children. Our world is broken financially. 
We're in financial trouble because we want to do things our way instead of God's way. And when we do things our way, we usually lose those things that God has put in our hands. The money just flitters away and we thought, where did that go? The next result of our rebellion is spiritual discontent and darkness. Because of our rebellion against God, our world is facing this spiritual consequences. Have you ever felt like God is just a million miles away? Like you're praying, but your prayers are bouncing off the ceiling? You're praying, but God is not listening, and God is certainly not answering? If so, maybe this is why. The Bible says your iniquities, when you've intended to do harm to people, they have separated you from your God. And your sins, when you've fallen short of God's goal for you written in His Word, your sins have hidden His face from you so that He will not hear. If you feel far from God, guess who moved? You. You moved away by saying, I'm going to do things my way. I'm going to be my own boss. I'm going to call my own shots. I'm not going to obey what God says. You say, I know what the Bible says, but I want to do what I want to do. So you move away from God. And God's not hearing your prayers. And you wonder why God feels distant and you feel discontent on the inside. Like you're stumbling around in the darkness and you're lost. And so you go through that a while and then you realize, i got to get back to God. i I got to find God. And so you start searching for God in some way. Job says this. He says, I am like a caravan lost in the desert searching for water. A lot of people are like that. A lot of Christians who have moved away from God are like that. They're just kind of lost in the desert, stumbling around, searching for something to quench their thirst. But they don't know where to find it or how to find it. You don't have the slightest idea where you're headed. And you know you're discontent. You're spiritually thirsty. So you start looking for all kinds of things. To quench that thirst. You start looking for God in all the wrong places. You say, well, I'm so busy, maybe I'll just start doing yoga. And if I get quiet enough, then God will find me and I'll find God. Or I'll take a vacation and I'll look at the mountains and the water and and, and that'll just still my spirit and I'll find God. Or I'll just start hanging out with better people and, and, and I'll find God. But you know what those things do? It just leads to more darkness, more discontent and more discouragement. The Bible says they've refused for so long to deal with God that they've lost touch not only with God, but reality itself. I see lots and lots of people, even people who attend church, that are lost and they're searching and they refuse to really deal with God and humble themselves for God and surrender their all to God. They're just walking around in darkness and stumbling around and they are lost And they're looking for contentment, but they can't find it because they're looking for everything but Jesus. Amen? And that's where you find it, is in Him. And if you don't believe this, just turn on TV. Lots of people on TV have lost touch with reality, let alone God. They don't even know what life is all about. They haven't the foggiest idea of what life's about. They think life is all about the red carpet and who designed the dress. They're out of touch. They're in spiritual darkness. But folks, what I've been talking about this morning is not a pretty picture. And when you begin to see the real picture of what sin has done to our world, it it, it ought to make you hate sin. 
But you know what the problem is today? Even among the church of Christ, we don't really hate sin. We even laugh about it. And if you don't believe me, just go home and turn on the TV, look at some comedy show, and they're going to be making fun of everything that's wrong and laughing about it. Drug use, sexual promiscuity, all kinds of sexual innuendos, immorality, making fun of people who are trying to do the right thing. Our whole society is is loving sin and, and laughing at sin. As a culture, we don't hate sin. And yet that is the thing that has brought brokenness into our culture. Listen, when you hear about something that causes disasters and deformity, death and decay, distress and disappointment, relational distance and discord and financial difficulties and spiritual discontent and darkness, when you hear about something that causes all of that, it is not a laughing matter. And yet those are the things that our rebellion has caused in our world. Our rebellion against God has caused hardships and damage. And if you want to know how bad sin is, just look at the cross. Just look at the outstretched arms of Jesus. God had to come and take on a human body that would feel every pain that we feel. And he had to allow himself to be nailed through his hands and his feet. Allow himself to have thorns pressed upon his head. A spear thrust into his side to pay for the sins of you and me. God had to come and make a way for us to live in heaven. God had to come and say, my blood, if you'll let it wash over you, if you'll invite me and my sacrifice into your life, will cleanse you and make you white as snow so that you can live with me. God had to come. That's how bad sin is. It has to be paid for. It's not a pretty picture. And that's why you and I, in in this world we live in, need a Savior. There's no way that we can undo all the damage in our world or in our family or in our personal lives. We can't get it undone. We need a Savior to help us. So the Father sent Jesus to save you and to to begin this restoration process in you. So what should we do? Here we are in this world where sin is the cause of the hardships of life. Sin is the cause of all kinds of damage. What should we do? Here's the answer. Sin has a solution. Sin has a solution. And here's the solution. What should we do? Accept Jesus Christ as our Savior. And I know that many of you here today have already done that. Accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. But for those of you who have not accepted Christ into your life, ask Him to forgive your sins. That's the starting point. You've got to accept Jesus because He's the only one who can help you undo the damage on this side of heaven. The Bible says, Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. He can overcome every kind of damage that's been done in your life. He can help you. He can heal you. But you've got to accept Jesus as your Savior. That's where you start. 
And some of you are here saying, well, I've already done that. Well, the second thing that we need to do for the solution is this. Follow Jesus. Follow Jesus as your Lord. As the light. Follow Jesus. A lot of Christians accept Christ into their lives, but they don't really, really follow him. They don't really follow his word. You've got to follow his light. We live in a dark world. We, we, we get messed up if we don't keep looking at his word, the light. We don't keep looking at Jesus, his face, who is the light. If we don't keep looking at the light, we're going to get off and rebel and get into some kind of darkness. But if you follow Jesus, he'll take you to the right places and into the right things. Jesus says this, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, not just if you know me, but if you follow me, you won't be stumbling through the darkness. You won't be lost in this world. You won't be living in sin in this world because you will have the light that leads you to the life. Amen? Jesus is the light. Sin has a solution. Accept Jesus as your Savior and follow him as your Lord. And he will lead you into the light. Why is life so hard? It's because of our sin, our rebellion. But the solution is Jesus Christ. I know that most of you are Christians, so my challenge to you today is this. Follow him. Really follow him. Would you bow with me? If you'd like to have Jesus Christ come into your life and you've never invited him to be your savior, would you just pray this prayer in my, as I pray it in your heart? Pray along and repeat it in your heart as I pray. Dear Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins, my transgressions, and my iniquities. Come into my heart. I accept you right here today as my Savior. And I will begin living for you best that I know how. And if you're here this morning and you're a Christian, would you pray this prayer? Dear Lord Jesus, forgive me for the times that I have not followed you. Forgive me for stumbling into darkness and sin. Today, I choose to begin following you like never before. I will follow you. Father, I thank you that when we pray this kind of prayer and we, we just get real and honest and we humble ourselves before you, you hear our prayer. You turn your face back to us and you answer our prayer and it thrills my heart to know that your word says those who believe in me will be saved. I thank you for that. I thank you for those who prayed that prayer. Lord, help them to be bold enough to write it on their response card today. I accepted Jesus. Lord, so that we can pray for them and help them. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen.